to the game. Hey, you're right, and y'all suck too. Yeah, NBA Australia, how are you going? Hey, Gunn. It is NBA Australia. It's, what is it, Thursday, May 19? That checks out. It's going to be May. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes uh, here in the Ariama Studios. Bloody cold in Melbourne today. It's raining. I went and voted early. How good was that? Not going to be around on Saturday, so uh, I had to go get my vote in. I was going to ride the squid over to daycare on the bike. He's a bit small for me to, like, you know, put a saddle on him. But either way, and uh, it was like, oh, bloody hell, it's freezing and it's raining. <laughs> we get in the car. Anyway, the playoffs, it's all happening. Uh, that might have been the most exciting thing that happened today. Uh, we've got the all-rookie teams announced. I'm going to do some yelling about that. We've got the Western Conference Finals Game 1. Uh, we're going to talk about the Mavs-Warriors blowout. Uh, in the game wrap, we've got a juicy slab, but that's not a knife. Old mate, no mate, spot of the night, better than Lonzo Ball. We've got some yeah, nazi on popular opinion of the day at our back take house. We're serving up a flame grill take. And because Greeny played today, we do have Australian player watch. We also have the final Kiwi corner of the season. That's a bit sad, isn't it? Uh, and also a pick and preview for tomorrow's game two of Heat Celtics. Cannot wait. We're also going to finish off with a diary of Stephen Adams. That's right, I promised it yesterday. And we've got it, you little ripper. All right, let's get into it. Episode 819, that's 819 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better, especially with Chuck Barkley. Uh, enjoyed that today. He and Shaq got into it about whether or not Jimmy Butler could score if Al Horford and Marcus Spart had actually played yesterday. It's like, oh, hey, Chuck. You don't know what you're talking about. They were really getting into it. And then, of course, uh, Shaq got the crowd chanting, Barkley sucks, as they were doing their live crosses. That's <laughs> pretty good. Right, let's... <laughs> Nothing just makes me happier, I think... Outside of, you know, all the usual things, uh, wife, family, job, <laughs> all that stuff, then Shaq and Charles Barkley going at it. It's just the greatest. I love it. Uh, right. We'll start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the Daily Whip around the all-rookie teams were announced finally because the NBA is like, ah, now that everybody's sort of calmed down, now we'll release all these awards and... All rookie teams, etc. Uh, first team with uh, scoring the most votes you possibly could: Scoob, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Kate Cunningham. They all scored a hundred, uh, so everybody had them on their first team. And then comes Franz Wagner, hello, and Jalen Green, aka a bloke who played good for six weeks of the year. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting stuff. And uh, the second team in order of votes, Herb Jones scored more than even our man, the mopped-up mumba, Josh Giddy. Crazy. Bones Highland, uh, Ayo Dusunmu, and Chris Duarte rounded out the second team. And uh, look, 
the 10 rookies that they've sort of selected, it's fine. But Gids not getting first team when he won four straight rookie of the months, beating one of the dudes on that first team four straight fucking times is a fucking travesty. And guess what? I'll yell about it later. And uh, not a giant amount of other news really today. Uh, the Mavs got fined again for a, uh, what was a lack of decorum. A lack of decorum. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty weird, but that's fine. Improper bench decorum is what we're saying. And uh, basically, it was essentially about uh, players, members of the coaching staff, they were standing up and away from the team bench and like getting on the playing court and stuff like that. Basically just going, uh, okay. You have done too much. <laughs> You're basically coaching too hard. You're being too involved, which is uh, definitely one way of looking at it. I don't know what's going on there, but NBA just went, right, how can we get more of Mark Cuban's money? <laughs> Love it. And the last little bit of news, the Wolves are trying their hardest to poach uh, Tim Connolly from the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he's currently their president for uh, Minnesota's president of basketball ops role. It's pretty good. I think Tim Connolly's done a bloody good job. Because, uh, I mean, you think about the Nugs, the fact that they were so competitive this year because of Joker and that sort of deep, deep, deep bench of theirs. Of course, it wasn't very deep when it came to hammer time in the uh, playoffs. But that's because they were missing Michael Porter Jr. and Jam and Jamal Murray. Two of their starters. So, a bit of a tough one. I think Tonally, uh, Tim Connolly's done a great job. So, that'd be smart by the Wolves. Right. Let's get to this game wrap. Game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap. That's right, the game wrap today. Golden State beat the Dallas Mavericks. Game one of the Western Conference Finals. Finals, finals, finals. 112.87. That is a bashing, isn't it? Uh,. Not a giant surprise either if you're watching that one because it was an absolute fucking car wreck of a first half in the Mavs. It was brutal to watch. There were stretches where they just didn't hit any shots. I think from about six and a half minutes left in the first quarter to about, I don't know, four minutes having gone by in the second quarter, they scored a total of four points. It was brutal, and it was because of their 44 shots in the first half, 29 of them, 29 of 44, were threes, and they hit seven of them. That is absolutely horrendous. And to be honest, it was only seven because Luca, right at the end of the second quarter, finally found his range and nailed a couple. Uh, But seriously, two-thirds of your shots, and you hit seven of them. Look, that's eight. Not good basketball. B, not sustainable. And C, you might want to talk about, you know, reverting to the mean in the second half. Not going to (laughs) happen. Like sometimes you just might be shit from downtown in a game and that's exactly what happened. Look, they kind of got carried in the first half by Luca, even though he wasn't really shooting it great. He ended up with 18 points. But no one else did shit. Like... Because the flip side, the Warriors, like Steph and Clay were 4 of 14 in the first half. Clay didn't even need a shot. But it was Wiggins and Looney and Poole who carried them absolutely narrow house. I was like, Brunson was struggling. Maxi Clearby, he was in foul trouble. And the two big wings of Reggie Bullock and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith were like, 
it felt like they missed everything. Like, it was weird. It's like, open, shoot it. Ah, oh, that was short. Ah, oh, that was long. That sucked. <laughs> and meanwhile, you've got Andrew Wiggins absolutely torching the Mavs to the tune of 15 points in the first half. But I think more than anything, uh, it was the Dallas defense that was a bit of a shock, right? Like, it looked a step slow, a step out of touch with what the Warriors were doing. They were still blitzing. And the Warriors, they are a different team to the Suns. They know how to move the ball. They move the ball really, really quickly. They're a team made up of like very smart basketball players. And they were just picking apart the Mavs. Like the Mavs, every bucket they scored felt like getting blood out of a stone. Whereas for the Warriors, I mean, they had four transition buckets in the first half to one. And that only got crazier and better. They had 22 points in the paint in the first half to 12. And... It was pretty interesting. Obviously, they brought it up on the broadcast because it's an easy thing. It's like, well, their threes weren't dropping either, but what they did was got to the mid-range and hit those shots. It's like, yes, they did. And it was crazy. And it was very well done by the Warriors because they were like, cool. If our threes don't feel great, we'll just take a couple of steps in, get a little bit more comfortable, hit these shots, and away we go. And the Mavs are just like, nah, we'll just keep shooting a million threes. These, these have to go in at some point. Well, they don't have to. <laughs> anyway, they were still only down nine, though, going into the half, thanks to uh, a few turnovers by the Warriors. Um, but that defense really came home to roost in the second half, right? Like The Warriors, they ripped off a 10-zip run to start the third, and that was just about that. Like, And seriously, turn, you turned around, and you're like, hang on a second, are the Warriors up 17? What the shit just happened? And what was happening was just like an absolute vivisection of the Dallas defense by the Warriors. Like, they were just absolutely chopping it apart. And the thing that got me, I tweeted about this, like, it was the way that the third and fourth efforts by the Warriors routinely shredded what was left of the Dallas defense. Like, Dallas, it just felt like we're scrambling all the time. It was like they figured out, oh, well, we've stopped their primary action. We've forced the ball out of this guy's hands. Now we're pretty good. No, oh, fuck, wait. Three more Warriors have touched the ball since then. And there's a back cut and an easy bucket, an easy layup. And it felt like that happened six, seven times in that third quarter. And that was all she wrote. Like, it was crazy. It was shocking the difference in how also, on offense, the Mavs would sort of like go for something. Uh, Dallas would sort of go, right, well, we've just got a shot in the paint. Luca would stand there bitching and moaning at the refs while the Warriors just took off in uh, transition and just nail a three. Or Jordan Poole would go around two Dallas defenders for a layup, just time and time again. And like the difference in how the Warriors managed to get transition buckets, while every Mavs bucket just felt like banging their head against a fucking wall was crazy. So um, the Mavericks on the other side, their offense was literally like one pass, and then a give up or desperation, maybe second pass, and then a brick. <laughs> like, it was just kind of everybody like as a collective shrug emoji, just going, I don't know, maybe this one will go in. And so, yeah, the Warriors up 19 going into the fourth after an insane Jordan Poole trick shot at the buzzer, <laughs> which was pretty gnarly. Uh, and then they rip off a 10. Like they'd been shooting 60% at that point, and then they rip off rip off another 10-zip run to start the fourth quarter, and this was over. That was it. That was the game. Clay had 15 points in the second half. Uh, Curry was cooking. 
Uh, and that was basically it. It was eight minutes of garbage time in the end of the fourth. Like, they were down... The Mavs were down 29. It's like, this is the flip side to the last Suns game. Like, here we are. And I think the damning thing for the Mavs, though, it was not just the horrible. They end up 11 of 48 from three. 11 of 48. That's not great. I'm no math magician, <laughs> but 11 of 48 is bad. Uh, but the one that stuck out to me the most was that lack of ball movement on the Mavs' offensive side. And we saw this happen in game ones and games one and two against the Suns, right? It was like, right, well, we're going to get the ball, we're going to move it a little bit, and then we're going to stop. Whereas in games three through seven against the Suns, the ball continually moved. And this is what what basketball's all about, right? The ball finds energy. And the Mavs felt like had fucking none of it. I don't know if it was because Boban and Luca are out drinking beers. <laughs> I love that photo. Luca just sucking down a couple of pints. Um, but either way, the 14 assists for the Mavs in this game just tells its own story, right? Like it shows that even when they did get a bucket to go, it wasn't from them moving the ball and finding the right guy. It was Brunson dribbling, 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 trying to figure out something, getting into the paint chucking something up, and everybody else standing around watching. No extra movement, no cutting. Luke could be doing the same thing, and this was just a fucking train wreck. So the Mavs, look, Luke ends up with 20 points. It comes on 6 of 18 shooting and 3 of 10 from downtown. Goes 5 of 8 at the free throw line as well. And there was like those moments when they're actually close towards the end of the second quarter, if they had have hit their free throws, like this is like, if not a tied game, then like only a 2-3 point game. They miss a couple of crucial free throws. And then the Warriors push that lead back up to nine at the end of the second. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. Like Brunson, he was just getting zero calls because it felt like every time he was like arguing for a call, his body was going away from the basket. And it was the opposite of the Warriors who every time they got a call, it's because their player's body was going towards the basket. Brunson, Dinwiddie, it just felt like every time they were like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get a call. It's like, yeah, because you're falling backwards. (laughs) <laughs> like you'd falling off to the side and throwing up a prayer. Anyway, 14 points for Brunson on 6 of 16 shooting, 0 of 5 from downtown. He had four rebounds and four assists. Reggie Bullock, 12 points on 12 shots. He goes 3 of 10 from 3. Never hit a shot when it actually mattered. Uh, Finney Smith, he had five points on six shots. Brutal. Could never get into the flow of the offense. And defensively, just gave up a bunch of times. And this was the same between him and Bullock. It felt like they had a couple of chances here and there to make some really cool, impressive, and imposing defensive plays. And they sort of decided, nah, you know what, fuck it. I'll try to like get a help side block or something instead. And the Warriors like, oh, well, that's a layup for me then, dickhead. What are you doing? <laughs> like, Poole basically darted between, I think, Kleber and Finney Smith at one point. And literally like, walked around both of them for a layup. It was crazy. Uh, Dinwiddie goes for 17. But it it never felt like it was enough. Like in that f- game seven against the Suns when Dinwiddie got cooking, it very much like felt like he was on a roll and it was making a statement. Those 17 points came basically in like almost desperation fighting a rearguard action kind of vibe from Dinwiddie. Three or seven from downtown though. Look, if he can get his threes dropping, he's feeling good. Kleber, one of four, all from three in only 19 minutes. Uh, struggled with fouls in the first half, and then by the time he came back, it was all over. Uh, Bertan sucked. Frankie Smoke sucked. Greeny got out there for a bit of run, hit his first shot, and then missed a corner three that broke my fucking heart. 
Because if he hits that three, it needs to be a part of his arsenal and then missed a layup, which he threw so hard off the backboard. It's like, was that a fucking layup attempt? Or was it like, I don't know, was he trying to throw an alley-oop? Oh, God. Anyway, they end up shooting 36% from the floor as a team, 23% from downtown. Almost as many turnovers as assists, 12 turnovers to 14 assists, just to burn the tape game, I think, for the Warriors, at least on offense. Defensively, you probably need to watch that and figure out what the fuck you're doing wrong because you're doing a lot wrong. Uh, the Warriors only end up shooting, what, 10 of 29 from downtown, and they had 15 turnovers, but they comprehensively beat them in the paint and in transition. Like, this is the biggest thing. They got so many easy buckets, whereas the Mavs got none. Steph had 21 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and a steal in a block. Crazily enough, went four of seven at the free throw line. He did go three and nine from downtown, though. Seven to 16 overall. Wiggins goes for 19, five and three. Played his ass off. I'm going to talk about him again in a second. Clay, 15 all in the second half. Draymond was really good. Really, really good. Flexing, blocking, getting and ones to go. Ends up with 10 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. It was bloody good. It was a plus 25 and he played less than 30 minutes. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> 29 minutes, you got a 10-9-3-2 and a block and a plus 25. Unreal. Anyway, uh, Pool, incredible game. It felt like he hit, like, every shot. He went 8 of 12. So he goes 1 of 4 from downtown. So he literally missed one shot inside the arc. 19 points. He was awesome. Otto, I like to get Blotto. Porter was really, really important too. 10 and 6 for him. And speaking of the mid-range shot, he just like banked in. Just one of those twos where you're like, what the fuck is going on? Otto Porter. Mid-range specialist, bro. Uh, and Kevin Looney shot 5 and 5. 10, of, 10, 5 and 4 for him. Was wildly important, it felt like. Just having a big dude because... They got a bunch of offensive rebounds early on in this game, and it really sort of just sucked the life away from the Mavs because they're like, ah, oh, God damn it, we stopped them, but then they got the rebound. It's like, what? Well, work a little bit harder, I think. 10-5-4 for Looney, a couple of blocks as well. And the Warriors absolutely demolish him. They shoot 56% from the floor while only going 10-29 from three. That's pretty impressive. That's a lot of shots inside the arc. And it's a lot of fast break points. It's a lot of transition. And uh, that's what they did, right? <laughs> I mean, the fast break points are 18 to 7. They had 14 second chance points. They had 44 points in the paint. The Warriors dominated from uh, the get-go. Up one zip in the chase center. You love to see it. Good job, Warriors. It's a hell of a game. The Mavs, that was an embarrassment. Jeez. So... With all that in mind, listen to an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Maple Jordan? That's right, Air Canada himself, Andrew Wiggins, gets the NBA Australia approved performance of the night because, as I mentioned, Steph and Clay struggle town in that first half. Steph goes 4 of 10, 0 of 4 from Clay. Meanwhile, Air Canada, unbelievable. Goes 6-9, nice, from the floor. 3-5 of five from 3. 15 points in the first half. Absolutely kept them afloat. Just was the sort of uh, impetus behind keeping that lead ticking over. Like he and Poole, they just got to their spots. They just got buckets. They got out in transition. 
they made it look easy. Whereas the Mavs on the other end, it was just, as I said, it was like banging your head against a wall. And getting that score ticking over sometimes, especially at home, like it just feeds into a momentum, right? And Wiggins was so important for that. But on top of that, on top of that, so Wiggins ends up with 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, eight of 17 he shoots, doesn't hit another three for the rest of the game, didn't matter, did all the important work in the first half. Because it was also one of those games where you're like, look, Wigo's probably going to drop off in the second half. That's what he does. But he's bought them enough time where Steph and Clay can get rolling. Boom, Clay drops 15 in the second half. Steph goes bananas. Off you go. And then the flip side, the defense. The defense on Luca. Luca, I felt, played with absolutely no space in this entire game. He could not orchestrate anything. It felt like every Mavs possession where Luca had the ball in his hands, they sort of probed, probed, passed the ball. He gets it back. There's like nine seconds on the shot clock, and he goes, ah, fuck. I'm going to dribble around like two dudes. I'm going to try to get into the paint. I'm going to try to get maybe fouled. And Wiggins did an amazing job on him. So he holds Luca to 6 of 18 shooting, a game worse minus 30 for Luca. Air Canada, what a bloody game. I mean, just did an absolute number. And then even Steph's being asked about Andrew Wiggins after the game. He's like, yeah, it's his first Western Conference Finals, and he showed up for game one. you love to see it. So there you go, Maple Jordan. That's an NBA Australia approved performer of the night. Spud of the night, however. Spud, 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 Uh, But really, this is the Davis Bertans Memorial Spud of the Night Award. And Davis Bertans was in this game. And guess what? Spudded it up. Classic. Oh, jeez. 0 of 4 for Big Davis. Davis Bertans, 0 of 4, all from downtown. Gets a rebound, one foul, two steals in 13 minutes. He didn't have those steals in the first eight minutes he played. So he got two steals in the final five minutes of garbage time when he got back out there. Bertans was rubbish because it felt like none of his shots were even fucking close. And I do love a good Bertans like, hang on a second, I'm Davis Bertans. Let me just see how hot I are, clank fuck. (laughs) He was... uh, to He was like, it is the opposite of being on one. He was 100% not on one. So he's now gone the last three games and gone 0 of 8 combined from game 6, game 7 against Phoenix, and then today's game 1. So you'll love to see it. I mean, if you're awarding a Spud of the Night award, but otherwise you'd hate to see it if you're a Mavs fan. 0 of 8 in three games. Davis Patans wins the Davis Patans Spud of the Night award. Who was Old Mate No Mates? Old Mate No Mates. 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 Who's got No Mates today? Spencer Dinwiddie. I swear every ref is just like, he's such a fucking annoying little prick. I'm sick of it. He's trying to talk me into buying crypto. He's like, hey, what's in your wallet? Like, do you have a crypto? Do you have nerd wallet, man? It's like, Spencer, shut up. 
And then Spence is also trying to like play for fouls. Like there was the shot that he got blocked uh, by Clay, which was beautiful, beautiful play by Clay. Uh, barely leaves his feet, does Clay Thompson? Comes in from the side, reaches across his own body to just straight clean block Spencer Dinwiddie, who was stuck in that corner. And Dinwiddie's like, "Oh, it's a foul!" It's like very clearly it was not a foul, Spencer. And he bitched and he moaned. And there was another play just after it where he drove, definitely got a bunch of contact, no call. It's like, yeah, because you're the boy that called, cried wolf. What do you expect to happen, Spencer? They're not going to reward you for being a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> like, it was very much an old mate, no mates vibe. And he also got a tech for arguing earlier about a no call. So Spencer Dinwiddie, absolute old mate, no mates vibes there. Pantsing of the night. <laughs> Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, look, he got drunk, uh, trucked and blocked by Draymond on the same play, but also basically got double blocked uh, where Steph and Draymond just sent him packing. It was uh, brutal to watch. Draymond's flexing, losing his mind, jumping around, carrying on like a pork chop, and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith got flat out dacked. Like, it's not often you get blocked by two dudes at once unless, I don't know, you're, uh, <laughs> there's some sort of joke here I want to make about, like, I don't know, one of my brother's exes, but I'm just not going to make the joke. <laughs> Better than Lonzo Ball! Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you will get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. It's Jordan Poole. What an absolute belter of a game he played. As I mentioned, I think I tweeted out, he like he shot and made the arsiest shots you could ever, ever wish to see someone make. Uh, in his 26 minutes, as mentioned, goes 8 or 12 from the floor. One of four from downtown, so only misses one shot inside the arc. Ends up with 19 points, two rebounds, three assists. He's a plus 15 for the game. But in a similar vibe and a similar way to how Wiggins kept the score ticking over, Poole in transition, like just his body control, like he threw in two just complete bullshit shots uh, that were layups. And then, of course, hit that insane sort of like weird leaning jumper at the end of the third where you're like, they, those shouldn't have gone in, <laughs> but they did. So, you know, Poole, what, picked 28 a couple of years back, three years ago, asking those shots in, but, you know, the 19 points, two rebounds, three assists, he and Wiggins won the Warriors this game. Like, it's not going to look like that. You're going to go, oh, well, Steph, who Clay stepped up, and then they ran over. No, there's no chance the Warriors win this game if uh, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins don't come out absolutely on fire and keeping the Warriors ticking over and just waiting for Stephen Clay to wake up. So great job, Jordan Poole. Today, better than Lonzo Ball. Of course, you know, even come bucket Johnny Kaminga going 0-4 today uh, would have been better than Lonzo Ball because Lonzo's never played in a playoff game. Just a quick little reminder to put the boot in. Right, <laughs> let's do some ENRs right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington. 
or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some ENRs. Brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. That's right. Go get your merch. 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 Wear it. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. All right, so go get it. Go get a hoodie. Get a t-shirt. Get right around the NBA Australia merch at the NBA Australia Shop, which is at nbaaustralia.com/shop, or just click on any of the pictures, links, whatever through our socials. Go check it out. Uh, plenty there. And because we're going to do some uh, work on the house as well, I've got to pack it all up and move it. So if you could come, like, jump on there and buy some shit and take it off my hands, that'd be real fucking handy. <laughs> Help a brother out. <laughs> right. Yeah, Nas. Can the Mavs turn this around? Yeah, nah. Yeah, of course. We've seen from literally, like, the last pretty much most of this playoffs. You can't overreact to game one. And... You almost saw this exact same thing happen against the Suns with this Mavs team. Like, I think game one was when Luka dropped like 45 in game one, uh, but the Suns completely demolished everybody else. Pretty much the same thing happened today. Like, Brunson, Bullock, and Dinwiddie had, you know, some scoring numbers as Luka was kind of stymied a bunch, but it was very tampered down. And, like, the thing is going to be all about how the Mavs... Uh, change this defense and go, right, you know it was a dumb idea? Blitzing. Because the Warriors are too smart and too experienced and too good. And their offense is so much more complicated and so much smarter and has so many different options in it than the Suns that maybe blitzing and trying to force the ball out of Steph's hands isn't the greatest idea. Maybe we should focus on our rotations a little bit more because this is not like, stop one or two moves, and then you've, like, succeeded. This is a Warriors team that'll run rings around you if you're not paying attention fucking 24-7. And, like, that was the thing. Like, them blitzing and the Warriors then sort of discombobulating them on the defensive end with, like, boxing one, bit of uh, a bit of zone here and there as well. It's like, yo, have Dallas not watched, like, any tape on this Warriors team? Like, why do they look so surprised? Because that leads me into... So we've just gone, can the Mavs turn this around? Yeah, nah, yeah. Will the Mavs turn this around? Yeah, nah. Yeah, but to a degree. I feel far, look, no overreactions, but I feel far less confident in my Mavs in six pick now because uh, I thought that coming out of that Suns series, the defense would translate at least a little bit and they'd be much more focused and they'd realize, right, we need to kick it up a notch. We need to stop these Warriors' back cuts. Like, we've literally got so much tape on the Warriors and what they like doing at this point that it's fucking crazy that you can come in unprepared, right? And it felt like they were much more unprepared on both ends. It's like, well, we're going to try to move the ball a little bit more than we did in games one and two against the Suns. And they did. They moved it a little bit more. But not fucking much more. And then once it was like, a weird sort of dichotomy, right? Like watching the Mavs on offense versus watching the Warriors on offense. The movement off the ball was like non-existent for the Mavs. The dribble penetration was like zero. There was just no attacking of the rim. It's like, ah, oh, we'll just settle for this three. And it's just lazy basketball. It's like, oh, well, I was open. It's like, yeah, but you haven't fucking hit a shot or not. Well, it's got to go down at some point. 
No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to do anything. If you get closer, you might have a better chance of getting some points. But seriously, like Mavs in six was my pick. I feel far less confident about that because after that display uh, from the Warriors defensively and on offense, you could go, well, Warriors in six feels much more, much more, uh, I don't know, palatable, easy, obvious, whatever. But for me, I'll stick with the Mavs in six because I think there are adjustments they can make. And you can't overreact to game one. So, But really, to be that unprepared for what the Warriors are going to throw at you and just to go, fuck it, we'll shoot a million threes, that just speaks volumes to me. So I don't know. It's the Western Conference Finals. You can't be just jacking, 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 jacking threes like it's a fucking February game against OKC, you know? Oof. Brad McKeegan, quick one today, Jimmy. Kids got done over by Adam Silver and the anti-Australian bias again. Hashtag justice for Mott Top Mumba. Yeah, nah, yes. Obviously. Uh, because, look, you can do the easy and dumb and lazy thing. Go, oh, well, but Jalen Green averaged more points than Giddy for the season. It's like, yeah. Because he finally put it together in the last six weeks of the season, whereas Giddy got better and better month on month on month and, crucially, made his teammates better. From day fucking one, Gids was just a better basketball player than Jalen Green this season. Literally, four Rookie of the Month awards when Jalen Green was playing in the same conference for which those Rookie of the Month awards were awarded. Like, literally, the bloke he beat for those four Rookie of the Months makes it over him. That's a fucking travesty. Speaking of which, let's get to uh, Unpopular Opinion of the Day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Like, I'm actually fine with Franz Wagner getting first team because he was consistent all year. All year, Franz Wagner, and he also got better and better month on month on month. Jalen Green got better basically towards the end of the season when everyone sort of stopped giving a fuck about playing Houston. (laughs) They're like, Houston are dead in the water. Who gives a fuck? And Jalen Green, to his credit, played his ass off and was very, very good. But across the entire... Uh, scope of the season. This has been one of my long-time running fucking bugbears on NBA Australia. It's not Rookie of the Month of the award. It's not Rookie of Half of the Season award. It's not the MVP of the last three weeks of the year award. And the same with the first Rookie All-NBA. Josh Giddy from start to finish, by every measurable kind of uh, basketball statistic, might not have gotten over the top of Jalen Green's scoring average shooting percentages, whatever. But just his improvement, the way he played, the way he made his teammates better versus Jalen Green going, I'm just going to fucking shoot heaps, bro. (laughs) Should have him in the first team ahead of Jalen Green. Which also leads to Outback Takehouse. Oh, jeez. Thursday and out back, you know what that means? Oh yeah, two for one blooming onions. That's right, no prick in the show knows what the fuck this thing is. Apparently it's a deep fried onion made to look like a flower. What the fuck is that, says everybody in Australia. Either way, two for one. Aussie Tizers, blooming onions. Only at Outback. And today's flame grill take is everyone who voted for Jalen Green to be first team over Josh Giddy should have their voting privileges revoked. Because they clearly don't A watch basketball, B, care about small market teams, or C, value things that just aren't scoring averages. 
only at our back. Seriously. Like, I could actually get more even bent out of shape. Like, Herb not making it first team over Jalen Green is also a bit of a fucking travesty. But Gid's not getting there. Seriously. Like, Gid's, he plays the entire season rather than being sat by OKC. He's right in the running for Rookie of the Year. That's fucking ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. The anti-Australian bias of the No Bloody Australians Association. Ridiculous. All right. Back in a second with Australian Player Watch, right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian Player Watch. Who's Josh Green? The only Green I can get behind. Well, there's a couple of other Greens I can get behind, but still, Josh Green, eight minutes today. Garbage time. Like, that's actually, like, the exact moment where this game was out, completely out of hand and the Mavs gave up. Um, I love Greeny. Goes 1 of 3 from the floor. 0 of 1 from 3. And that's the one that really killed me was it was wide open in the corner. It is the shortest 3 you can take and make. And between he and Aussie Matty T, it's like all I want for Josh Green is to be able to hit that shot. You know? So ends up one of three, ends up with two points, one rebound. I think I tweeted out, like, at least he scored once, which is kind of nice. Got a uh, nice little bucket to start off. Then misses his next two. But at the same time, it took him seven games to score in the uh, last series. So to have him out there scoring in game one feels pretty good. At the same time, would have really, really liked that three to drop because it's one of those things where you go, Josh Green, he's a better shooter than Frankie Smokes. We know that. He's also a pretty good defender. We know that. You just got to provide a bit of value there, Greeny. Hit that three. Hit it. Oh, God, it killed me. Anyway, can you tell? <laughs> Jimmy, you've only focused on that one shot a million times, man. Yeah, what can you do? Right. It is Thursday, though. We usually do Kiwi Corner. And this is going to be the last Kiwi Corner of the season because big Steven Adams' season is over. Finished, uh, what was that, Saturday against the Warriors when they get bowed out? Uh, so his last week, I mean, we could just talk about his actual uh, series once he came back from COVID. Uh, came back very, very briefly in that massive game three blowout loss to the Warriors for the Grizzlies where they lost by 30. Uh, had three three points, two rebounds, two assists. You're like, yeah, not bad uh, in six minutes. And then he played 27 minutes in the much closer, amazing game four. There was uh, the game that was completely submarine by Dylan Brooks and probably cost the Grizzlies the uh, the series because Stephen Adams came back and gave them a massive presence inside. He had 10 points and 15 rebounds in that game to go with three assists, a steal, and a block. Played his ass off, got them in a position to win, shot 5-9 from the floor, and Dylan Brooks started booting the ball into the fucking stands. Jesus. Anyway, great game for uh, big Stephen Adams. Then he had 7-13-3 in their massive blowout in uh, Game 5 back home in Memphis. 7-13-3. Not bloody bad. Shot two or seven, but still, you get down to the big jobs. And then in the final game, game six, when uh, the Warriors ran over the top of them, 110-96, he had four points, ten rebounds, and three assists to go with two fouls and uh, one turnover. Shot one of three from the floor. But uh, had a pretty interesting season all up to big Stephen Adams. Ends up averaging ten rebounds, seven points, three and a half assists, and a 17.6 PR, which isn't too bloody bad. And across the season, I mean, 
you sort of think about what he was being utilized as in New Orleans. He gets to Memphis, playing next to Triple J. He was bloody good. Seven, ten, three and a half assists. Almost a block a game, almost a steal a game. Shot 55% from the floor. Good good stuff. Good season for the big Kiwi. You love to see it. Um, really, 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 really wish that uh, <laughs> they had played him a little bit more in that Minnesota series, but here we are. Right. Kiwi corner done. Let's do the Paddy Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. All right. The Paddy Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in today is Mopped Up Mumba, Josh Giddy and his IG, which is uh, reposting the NBA's uh, all-rookie second-team uh, pictorial. So it's got the picture of AO. It's got the picture of Duarte, Bones and Herb, and Giddy in the middle looking, uh, you know, a big smile on his face. And so he's reposted that with a single... Emoji. Just the yellow face with the crooked diagonal mouth. Which says to me, he's like, oh yeah, really? Really? Fucking second team? Fucking second team? That's what that screams to me. So good job, kids. Tell them to all go get fucked. Come back next year. Kick some ass. You know, you and Chet Holmgren and uh, SGA. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs. Right. Let's do a game preview for tomorrow. Game preview. Game preview. Thanks, Inverton Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah. Not bad. As I mentioned, went and voted today after I dropped off the squid at daycare. Went for a run, watched the game, feeling good about stuff. Feel like I'm pretty fully over the cocoa, so, yeah. And for all the other folks out there who have uh, who've actually reached out about them also copying a bit of the cocoa, hope you're all doing all right. Got Jez. Got I am Matty S. Just a few folks out there dealing with, uh, you know, either themselves or family members. So, look, hopefully you're doing all right. Uh, right, we went 0 of 1 on today's picks because I had the uh, Mavs plus, was it, 5.5. That did uh, not go great. Looked like it might be there for a second in that second quarter. I'm just saying. But that leaves us at 36 of 73 for the playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, tomorrow, we have game two. Game two of Boston, Miami in Miami. The Boston Celtics. A three and a half point underdogs for game two, which is uh, pretty interesting considering that Marcus Smart, with his midfoot sprain, he's probable. Al Horford's still doubtful for game two, uh, which is a bit of an interesting one. And I also think because Horford, it very much felt like uh, it was a bit of a surprise. To everybody on the team, and they had to sort of scramble and go, right, we've got Time Lord. Shit, okay. No, Al, or okay, fuck. And they came out like the clappers anyway. I think they now have uh, a little bit more prep time, figure out what they're going to do. The thing is, we just don't know when Horford's going to be back, so there's you got to get the uh, negative PCR tests, and Horford's already tested positive for uh, COVID in this, uh, the preseason and was in the protocols again in December. So who knows what the fuck you're doing there, Al, but geez, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I didn't see any benefits to getting the fucking vaccine, bro. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe playing in the fucking Eastern Conference Finals. But still, um, essentially, I'm going to go with Boston plus three and a half because I think if Smart's probable and uh, we've got a doubtful Horford, I think Smart coming back just gives Boston enough to really sort of throw at Miami defensively that it sort of changes the face of that game. So after Miami ran, ran over the top of them in game one in that third quarter, 
Like the rest of that game, Boston were right there. And of course, obviously, as I mentioned yesterday, won three of the four quarters. It was just that they got so blown out spectacular in like third quarter that it cost them the game. But maybe throw Marcus Smart out there, maybe hits another couple of shots, maybe just makes Jimmy Butler work that little bit harder and also just shores up that perimeter defense a little bit. And I think Boston can win this. So give me Boston plus three and a half. I think there's a really massive fuck you statement Tatum game to come, especially after that third quarter where he had six turnovers and essentially kind of cost him the game. So I think Boston bounced back even this series and we're off and running. So give me Boston plus three and a half tomorrow. And I feel pretty good about that. I do. I really do. Especially if Smart's playing. If he's not playing, it's a little bit dicier. And I'd be interested to know what the uh, odds drop to, but we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. So there you go, Boston plus three and a half. And we'll wrap up that game on tomorrow's show with a big Fuck It Friday edition. Love it. Uh, so that's it. Back tomorrow. Uh, make sure you check out NBA Australia on Twitter, Face IGs. Check out NFL Australia, myself and Gaz. Uh, we'll have an off-season wrap for you soon. World Wrestling Australia with Adam. That's over on YouTube. Uh, check out FWCIE on Twitter. Get around NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Come on. I don't have to pack up so many, like, you know, the remaining T-shirts. <laughs> Just go and buy some, would you? Uh, check us a rating review on your podcast app and download the Knowable app. Bang in the code straight out. Get 20% off. Big thanks to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Go check out the new band House Hats. And big thanks to Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. They're all amazing. So uh, listen to them on Bandcamp or Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. However you follow and listen to your bands, check them out. NBA Australia supports train bands, so should you. And we'll close out today's show with a brand new Diary of Stephen Adams. And we will catch you tomorrow, you dickheads. It's NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, Hosanna! Bruce, how's it going, eh? That's just your pal Stephen Adams, brew to swing him by from a latest diary entry, brew. Oh, so here goes, eh? Oh, dear diary, brew. It's me, Stephen Adams. Oh, but you knew that already, eh? Because you're my diary, brew, And you know all my deep, dark secrets, man. Like, how after we lost that game sucks in Golden State, brew, I reverse wallabied the Dunnies in the visitor's locker room there in Golden State, brew. <laughs> it was a bit of a miss, eh? But shush, don't tell anyone. I reckon the Mivs would have gotten a big surprise today. Ho <laughs> ho, brew. Okay, so yeah, it's been a bit of a rough week, eh? I mean, we got eliminated from the playoffs, brew, by the Warriors. That sucked pretty bad, brew. Uh, but at least we got that one real good one in Game 5 for our fans, brew. They loved every second of it, eh? So that was real nice. Some bloke threw down some uh, shrimp and grits for me. I ate them on the bench, brew. They were delicious, too, so that was sweet as. But yeah, so uh, we lost. So I took the fellas out for a few commisatory sarsaparillas, brew. And things got a bit loose, eh? I had to carry my friend Desmond out of a bar, brew, because he was climbing on tables and doing his Bane voice too much because he loves to do that because his last name's Bane, brew. And then he jumped off the table, brew, and tried to break a security guard's beck saying that that guy was Bitman. It was a little bit too much, so I just had to use my security guard skills, brew, and just carried him outside. But everybody else was pretty well behaved, brew, and we had a good time. It was good to see Coach get loose, got his shirt off, was doing a bit of a dance with some Sheila's, brew. And then once we got home, brew, 
I had everyone around to my house brew for an end of season hungry brew. And I also went all out and I fired up my mum's special pavlova recipe brew. It was great and I also made some Lemington's brew. Everyone loved them too, so they all thought the spread was delicious brew. So that was nice as, so yeah. And uh, I also had my exit interview brew with Cooch and the front office And that was all good brew. They kind of invited me in. They're like, oh, Stephen Brew, we really like what you brought to this team this year, eh? Uh, keep it up. And I said, oh, thanks, Coach. Thanks, fellas. Is that it? And they said, yep. And I'm like, all right, see you next season, eh? And that was that. So, yeah, we're done for the season, eh? So I've got to figure out what I'm going to do this off-season, Brew. I mean, I've been to Mexico. I've sailed all the way to NZ. I've done lots of things. So, I don't know, maybe I'll go to the Amazon. Maybe go to Canada. Maybe go to Europe, Brew. Or maybe I'll just fly back to NZ to see my mum and dad in Wellington, my 36 brothers and sisters. So we'll see how we go, bro. Either way, brew was a fun first season brew in Memphis. I loved it here, brew. Lots of history and stuff. So he's hoping for many more. So till next time, with a bit of an off-season check in, eh? I'll write to you then, Dory. Cheer, cheer. Love, Stephen Adams, eh?